I've believed it since then. I have, in my opinion, felt that there was some truth to that and not on purpose. I think it was Teresa ended up as collateral damage. I think Joe felt that maybe he was doing the right thing to get rid of Joe Judice. It backfired on him when the Judice's partner tattled and, and spilled the beans for a lower sentence and got Teresa in the fray. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops I Gossiped Again podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Britt. I hope you're having a wonderful day. It is reunion week in the Bravo sphere. We had Summer House reunion. We had Real Housewives New Jersey reunion part one and the Vanderpump Rules reunion part two. I am going to try to make this episode, I'm going to try to breeze through it. We're going to talk about Real Housewives in New Jersey and Vanderpump in this episode. Two things I do want to say. Um, Number one, I have a request from you. I've kind of been thinking that I might create some merch, some hoodies, some crew necks, some t-shirts, or maybe we need some tanks for the summer or whatever it is. I'm thinking about putting a couple designs together. I am asking you... If you're listening on Spotify, you can comment on this episode and tell me there, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I would love if you follow me on TikTok or you hear me say something regularly on here on the podcast, obviously it'll say like, oops, I gossiped again, you know, that'll be on there. But if there is something that you find that I say regularly and I repeat myself often, send me a DM or comment below. Let me know. I'm kind of thinking of like little tagline things that we could add in and make them super fun. Let me know if that is something you are interested in. It's kind of something I've been thinking about and it's just fun. I like to get creative and create new things. If you don't buy, you don't buy. That's cool, whatever, but I want it for myself. So let me know if there's something that you think is a tagline of some sort that we can include. Number two, I know that I have not talked about Real Housewives of Atlanta and I have not talked about the Martha's Vineyard Summer House. In all reality, I'm going to be very clear with you. I have not watched in the last two weeks. I am two weeks behind on both shows. I don't love that Bravo puts new episodes of things like this on Sundays. Sunday is like always up in the air for me. I never really know if I'm going to be in the house watching TV, especially summer now. Like we eat a really late dinner. I don't know if I have time for it, whatever. But also we were coming through the end of succession and that trumped everything for me that really took priority. And I made myself watch it every single night. And then by the time I get through that, for the next couple of days, I'm kind of just trying to play catch up on so many other things and making sure that I'm up to date on all my other Bravo stuff. I've also been watching Selling Sunset. I have not watched the last two episodes yet though. So maybe next week we'll talk about that. I don't know. We'll see if we have time. But I also just want to make sure that I get through this episode. I do my own editing. So for me to record and edit, it's like a three-hour process. And the last very many episodes have gone almost an hour. So I'm trying to save myself some time today. I'm trying to save you some time today. And hopefully 
once we're through really breaking down all of these things that we need to like psycho evaluate every week on Vanderpump, we'll have a little bit more time to talk about more things. Just know I haven't watched and I've also seen some things on TikTok that people aren't really impressed with the last few episodes of Real Housewives in Atlanta. So I do want to get caught up on them and hopefully we'll be able to dive in soon. Okay, all that's out of the way. Let's get into the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. I thought it was very interesting that Andy opened the show with saying the fan reaction of this season has been amazing. Like, has it? Has it really? Because the entire season, in my opinion, has been a complete bore. And now I felt like we were finally getting somewhere and finally getting something with this reunion. I also thought it was very funny that Joe Judice called the minute that they started rolling cameras and is talking about getting under under eye bags done for his uncle with Bill Aiden. And then he's kind of talking back and forth with Andy a little bit. In my opinion, I think it's just I think it's good to see that he and Teresa have a space where they can communicate. Like it doesn't feel like there's this deep rooted animosity that she, in my opinion, would be have every right to have against him for everything that he ever did to her, you know, prison included. They've both moved on. They both have new lives. They're both very happy from what it sounds like. And they can actually communicate and have this sort of like friend, good co-parenting relationship for their girls. Immediately, Melissa and Teresa were at each other's throats. And Teresa basically fired Melissa on the spot. I mean, I know she doesn't have that ability to do it, but that's what it felt like. She just fired her on the spot, which in turn, you know, my feeling on Teresa is she's done, like mentally, emotionally, she's done. And we've seen Teresa get very aggressive in the past, but not this aggressive I don't feel like with Melissa or directed toward Melissa. Yes, they've had their fights. Yes, they've had their problems. But the way that she is in this part one reunion, she is not messing with her. She is not doing anything. And immediately with the, you know, you're fired. I'm never going to see your face again. We are done after today. I think it kind of took Melissa a little off guard. I don't think that she felt that Teresa actually had that in her because, you know, she's trying to be Zen. She's trying to be namaste and be calm. I don't think that she felt that that she was going to get this Teresa during the reunion. So immediately I see Melissa trying to, you know, fight back and fight back. And I, it it comes between a very Melissa versus Teresa thing. There are a lot of people that are saying that Melissa really ate her up. And a lot of people saying that, you know, Teresa really ate her up. I don't think it was that necessarily. I do think that she did feel very stunned and kind of speechless in a way that Teresa came in so hard because maybe she had a preconceived plan of things and how things were going to go and what they were going to talk about. And seeing this being at the reunion, could you have imagined if they would have been on the same stage at BravoCon, it would have been a bloodbath. There's always this time frame between reunions and the final shooting, you know, that they haven't talked or that things happen like that. But this just seems so deeply rooted. Nothing has been resolved. Nothing, in my opinion, it's only gotten much worse. Now we know also that Teresa had never watched the seasons prior, but now she has been. And I think maybe she's seeing more of what they say about her behind the scenes. In my opinion, Melissa is really just trying to 
be the meaner girl. However, she can, but she doesn't have that aggressive behavior like Teresa does. So it's very easy for Teresa to do that. But Melissa is probably going to try to do this through the entire thing. And it's just going to be, you know, Andy talked on his radio show that it was like dealing with toddlers. And I see it because it right off the jump, there we were. There were also a lot of allegations about Louie right away. Marge was trying to say some things. I can't even remember what that was. And Andy was kind of like, we're going to talk about that later when he comes. Don't worry. I think it was that, you know, she claimed that she was getting death threats about her or her son was or I don't remember because a lot of things Marge says I try to tune out. However, it was interesting when they were talking about how Louis got on the show. Now, here's the thing for me. Teresa deserves so much better than Louis. I said it again. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I've tried to just support the idea that she's moving on. She's happy. That's great. He is a walking red flag in every way possible. He is a creep. He is weird. I don't doubt for one second that he did not come looking for Teresa. Melissa made a claim that he tried to get with Alexia from Miami before he met Teresa. You know, I think that's a stretch. I don't, I, I really do think that that's a stretch, but you know, whatever. Alexia is her own animal too. You never really know, but he is a walking red flag. And I have no respect for him. I don't think that he is going to be good for her. I think she's going to get burned in the end. I hope and wish that was not the case because she deserves to have someone that's going to treat her well and take care of her. Like Dolores and Polly. Dolores admitted that Polly is actually not yet divorced. And Marge brought this up on an after show and tried to like dig in the ground about Dolores. Dolores said that he is not actually divorced. They never really had a reason to. I wonder if it has something to do with like a financial decision, you know, not paying for things and things were okay. Like kind of more like a business arrangement, right? But she also did say that she thinks that he is now more apt to get divorced so that they can move on. She said it's very much different than with than her relationship with David because they're building a life together. And whereas she and David were very separate, Everything is about them together as a couple. And I'm so happy for her. He just seems like the sweetest guy. I really do wish that Teresa had that. Dolores deserves it. Dolores, it's about time this woman has someone that takes care of her, loves her for who she is, enjoys being with her, wants to build a life with her. Because we know that Frank just wants to ride on her coattails. He is still living with David, by the way, which is fucking weird. I Very weird. He wants to keep her close. He wants to keep her on a leash. He wants to have his cake and eat it too, as he has done for the last 26, 27 years, however long it's been since they've been divorced. And I'm not at all prepared to see him when the men come out. The Like him and Joe Gorga together, bleh, I'm over it. I'm over Frank as a whole. I think and I hope that maybe next season we can have him not so much in the, in the limelight. Because I, I've said it before, I think him doing all this is trying to collect that bag, try to keep, you know, making money off of the show. I am so happy for Dolores and she deserves it all. The one that I thought actually won the part one reunion is Danielle. There has been so much talk this season about how Danielle gets really emotional and she runs away and doesn't confront everything. And there were a lot of people that were saying she shouldn't be on the show because she doesn't contribute anything and she's not fighting back. Like this is what we expect from Jersey. And even I think, you know, Teresa makes a comment, like everyone just speak at once. Like Beverly Hills can do it. We can do it. Melissa's like, we're not Beverly Hills. We're Jersey. That's what we want. That's the truth. We don't watch Jersey for the, I'm just going to walk away and I'm not, I'm not going to address this. 
We watched Jersey for the drama. But Danielle got a lot of flack for that. She really kind of brought herself to the forefront, I think, with this reunion part one. The day of their filming was her grandmother's wake. Her grandmother had just passed away. Andy had asked her when was the last time she talked to her brother, and she said, I'm actually going to see him tomorrow. My grandmother passed. The wake is today, and the funeral is tomorrow. So everyone that came in and was like, oh, so now she wants to be all heated and now she wants to be emotional. Can you imagine the feelings and the dysregulated system that she is having sitting there? It's her very first reunion. She doesn't know what to expect. All she knows is probably from what she's seen in the past. She doesn't know who's going to come for her. She had a lot of problems with Marge. Marge can be a vicious fucking bitch. She doesn't know. And on top of that, Rather than being at her grandmother's wake, she is sitting there in that chair dealing with all this. I thought she did very well though. Marge made a comment to her one time about how I helped you with business, I thought we were friends, and you flipped on me like a pancake. And I don't think that that's how it went at all. Dolores said it was a stupid argument. Even Rachel, Marge, and Danielle say it was a stupid argument. Andy says it wasn't that big of a deal. I think we all felt the entire season that this argument over Danielle sharing the the story that Marge has an arsenal, who went from Laura allegedly to Teresa and Jen to then to Danielle, who then directly told Marge at the softball game, "This is what I was told that you have an arsenal that you that we need to you know be careful." And I'm not sure if this is a friendship I want. She went to her directly. But she also had a side conversation with Rachel Fuda and Rachel Fuda was like, well, Danielle said. Now we all know, everyone has now admitted this was the dumbest fucking fight that we could possibly think of. But Marge saying, you flipped on me like a pancake. And she's referring to the fact that she was talking behind her back. But she told her to her face, like there was never a moment where Danielle said, well, I'm going to go talk about Marge and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do, no. She was direct with her. She knew the entire time exactly what was said. And every single time that Marge got pissed off because Rachel Fuda is over here acting like she wasn't involved, Marge gets pissed off and Danielle is still directly coming at it. Like, this is what happened. This is what I said to you. This is what I heard. Yeah, I said it. Why was this something that was dragged on so long? It's because of Margaret Joseph's. Margaret saw Danielle as an easy target. She already watched her. Let's go back to the idea of she's, you know, getting upset and leaving. She's already watched her be in stressful situations like that where she, quote, runs away. She thought she was an easy target. And while all this is going on, Marge throws a backhanded comment at Jen while Danielle is trying to explain how hurt she feels. And then she's like, your endorsements. She throws a backhanded comment at Jen. Jen tries to support and be there for Danielle. Marge looks at her and she's like, I'm not talking to you. If you're not talking to Jen, don't throw a dig at her. Don't try to throw a dig at Teresa while you're having a conversation with Danielle about tree stumps. And I was like, what? It, and she even made a thing went, oh, huh, it went over your head. It's not tree stumps, babe. It's tree huggers, okay? And I did not get the reference either. So I'm right there with Teresa until I went to Twitter and I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a tree huggers joke? Okay, I get it now. Weird. And this entire time, Margaret just cannot admit, number one, it was stupid. Number two, 
Rachel looked like a fool. Rachel is the one that started all this. And three, have a genuine feeling for Danielle and not try to push her over the edge. And Danielle made a perfect comment when she said, you guys are all mean girls. And, you know, they're all smirking over there on the couch. I don't know when um, Rachel Fuda got big girl panties too because she didn't have big girl panties the entire season and all of a sudden she thinks she's going to go toe-to-toe with Teresa and Jen. Girl, sit down. Please just zip it. But she, Danielle looks at Marge and she's like, yeah, you called me a wannabe and I want to be nothing like you. And there has never in the history of the last three seasons, I don't think, been a more truer statement come from anybody in regards to this group of women. And I don't know why the focus is so much on I'm team Teresa, I'm team Melissa, I hate the Gorgas, I hate the Judices, these girls are trash, these these children, they're not children, they need to sit down. Like the amount of hatred that comes into my comments about Teresa's girls, I get it. They're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But the amount of hatred for these girls, you if you have children of your own, you should know, just stop. Like, you don't need to go continue the narrative online. But there's never been a more true statement than not wanting to be like them because the one common denominator is always Margaret. The idea of an arsenal didn't just come out of the blue because we know, we know she has dirt on someone, everyone at all times, and she just waits to blow it up. My other question, when the whole conversation of this Laura came up again, and Jen asked point blank again, maybe it was Andy, someone asked Melissa about the baseball player comment. And Marge's story on this was we were out one night and we always say, Melissa looks like J-Lo. So one night when we were out, I looked at her because Joe was bitching about something. And I looked at her and I said, this girl's like J-Lo. She could be with A-Rod. She could have any baseball player. She said in her own words, one night when we were out, was Laura in attendance that night? If so, I'll give you a pass. However, Melissa also told Jen that, yeah, that comment has come up. She tells me that all the time. So is it one night or is it a story all the time? Because if Laura wasn't there one night, how the fuck would she have known that you said that? Because you would have then taken that conversation and told Laura. Either way, guess what's true? Number one, you said it. And number two, you told Laura. Justice for Laura. I want Laura. I want Laura on Watch What Happens Live. I like. I need Laura to be the whistleblower like Kim D. I need Laura to start showing text receipts like Danielle Stubb. And these are the most genuinely Delulu land people that have come off of Real Housewives, New Jersey. And maybe Laura is one of them. But either way, somehow and some way, some when... Marge told Laura the story. So why is it so far-fetched to believe that every single other thing that Laura has said has not come from Margaret's mouth? But once again, we're getting mad at the wrong person. The person in this situation is getting pissed at Danielle because Danielle shared the information. In the other fact, in the kissing scenario with Melissa in the back seat, the person that gets, gets thrown under the bus is Teresa. Because she repeated it. Nobody's mad at Marge. (laughs) Nobody questions Marge. Everyone just believes that she's okay. If you don't believe that these things are coming from Marge, you have to really rewatch every episode that she's ever 
been on because she has been like this since day one. This isn't even a side of her below the belt comments that she throws. Like those are just heinous and awful. This is just her natural being. And someone in my comments made a mention and I really liked it. Something around along the lines of, a lot of relationships in Marge's life are transactional. Like I gave you, this is why she immediately came at Danielle with the idea of I helped you in business, which babe, you ha- you made her a logo. You probably went to Canva. It probably took you 10 minutes. Grow up. Okay. We haven't heard hide nor hair of Margaret's business in like the last two seasons. I believe there were a bunch of lawsuits involved. I don't need your business advice. But she also does this when there was an episode where she had her assistant and they were having lunch with their moms or some shit like that. And she immediately is just like, well, I'm giving you, you know, I'm doing all of this for you and I'm giving you a place to stay because you need to get on your feet. It's a very transactional thing. You, I'm giving you something so that you trust me. I'm giving you something monetarily. I'm giving a part of me to you because I want respect and I want something out of you. There's, I don't think there are any genuine friendships happening there. A lot of the comments that I get are very angry people screaming about how big of a liar Teresa is. And I did a video where I just asked point blank because I've been very honest and there are a lot of things over the years between these two, I flip flop, right? I fl- Sometimes I really fully am on Teresa's side. Sometimes I'm fully like, oh, not a good look. I'm believing Melissa here. I no longer will take the side of Joe Gorga. I wish that the two of them could separate their brain a little bit so that like she could have her own feeling on something once in a while, but that'll never happen. But I flip-flop a lot. There have been a lot of things that Melissa has lied about that have kind of come to light. Number one being, how did you get on the show? Of course, this topic has to come up. Jen asks Andy, okay, let's end it right once and for all. Did Melissa call you to be on the show? Which was never the story. That's not, that was not ever the story. So Jen, you tried here. You failed miserably because it was actually her contacting producers, never Andy Cohen. So she failed miserably there. And Andy responds with, I have no recollection of that. Melissa says, I was on, I was asked to be on the show because I'm interesting, which I think we all just had like a collective, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> because there's nothing interesting about her, in my opinion. It never has been. She's fun. She, she's great. She's cool. Probably really cool and fun to be around. But like, she's not interesting by any means. Andy's response is, I remember her being cute. Joe was funny. And you had a double staircase like Teresa and Joe, like you guys did in your first house. But that's one of the big things that she lies about. In my opinion, I'm taking that side. And I was always on the fence about it, but I, I really do firmly believe it because especially now that more of these producers have come out and said, this is how it went down. This is what it is. Danielle Staub had text messages. There's a lot of proof to show that she was lying. She's also, she lied about her nose job. For many years, she lied directly to Andy's face. Now she admits that she had a nose job and she lies and said, I never said I never had it, which is a lie. But on the reunion, they're talking about when they were on the bus in Ireland and Fuda goes, you know, are your kids still close? And Teresa was 100% right in saying that was a setup question. I thought that from the minute I watched that and Teresa's like, listen, I've been on here the entire time. I know a setup when I see it. That, in my opinion, was fully set up that she should never have asked Teresa that question at all. She should have like... Even if you're a new girl and you'd be like, I don't know. If you were such good friends with Melissa, you would know that what that was going to happen. Like that was set up. Absolutely. 
But they start talking about that. And Andy looks to Melissa and he's like, Melissa, you get really mad when she talks about Antonia, but you talk about Gia all the time on your podcast, on the show, unprovoked, all the time. And they get into this argument and she says, no, I do not. Then they show flashbacks. My question is a genuine question, and I'm going to kind of close out this portion of it, is why does it feel to me like there is a double standard of who is the bigger liar? Like people want to accuse and scream that Teresa's a liar, Teresa's a liar. Is it because she went to prison? I, I mean, if that's the story, okay, fine, I, I get it. Melissa lies just as much, just as often. And it was some really good conversations I had on my TikTok video about this. And there were some that were, you know, completely missing the point and screaming about Teresa being a liar and how terrible she is. So, you know, it goes either way on social media and I never should have asked the question, but I'm going to ask the question to you. I feel like there's a double standard. They both lie, but only one of them gets called out. And I don't understand why. The episode ends with Teresa sharing the news that Jacqueline Narita told her that they were involved with the FBI, they being Joe and Melissa, that they were friends with Joe Judice's ex-partner. This has come up many times, many times. There were reunions, and I actually just saw this clip recently, but there was one of the reunion, I have no idea what season it was, and Jacqueline and Chris and Caroline kind of explain it, what they're talking about in that aspect. And and Joe and Melissa are there and they're shutting it down. Chris Larita, like you can tell when he's saying he's uncomfortable and he's not happy and he's displeased and he's sad. And this was about the time that there was a really big breakdown in the relationship between Teresa and Jacqueline. Now, what is also interesting is this would have been probably before the reunion, there was a time when Chris and Jacqueline, or I'm sorry, Jacqueline, Teresa, and Louie, sat down and had a, had a meal, had a lunch, had a long lunch. I would have loved to been a fly on that wall. This probably could have been the time that this conversation came up. Now, does it make it any less true that it could have been coming from a place of spite where Jacqueline is trying to redeem herself, but also it's a time where we know that things are never going to get better between Melissa and Joe? Uh, you know, either way, I've believed it since then. I have, in my opinion, felt that there was some truth to that since then. And not on purpose. Not on purpose. I think it was Teresa ended up as collateral damage. I think that Melissa, not not even Melissa, not even Melissa. I think Joe felt that maybe he was doing the right thing to get rid of Joe Judice. It backfired on him when the Judice's partner tattled and and spilled the beans for a lower sentence and got Teresa in the fray. That's where we end. So I'm looking forward to reunion part two. I think we've gotten more drama, more excitement out of this one reunion than we did the entire season and we'll see how it goes. Let's dive into Vanderpump Rules reunion part two. If you've been following me on TikTok for long enough, you know that I like to recap my favorite Bravo television shows or any other reality shows that are happening in the morning while I drink my coffee. And something you may not know about me is that I put a lot of effort into which mugs I use while I spill the tea for you. I feel like it just sets the tone for my day. And one of my favorite places to order mugs from is Babeco. Babeco creates products that empower people to give the finger to societal norms, to be unapologetically themselves, to use their own voice, and maybe even swear a little. Far too often, society tells us who to be, how to look, how to act, what job to have, etc. And they want you to run that over with a car. 
Be yourself unapologetically and live life on your own terms. Badass, bold, and empowered. At Babeco, can you not only find mugs that will say exactly what you may be thinking to the person sitting across from you that needs to take a breather, but they also have shirts, jewelry, home decor, all of the things to fully express yourself. And if you've ever seen any of my mugs while I'm spilling the tea on TikTok, you may be wondering, where can I get that? So now I have teamed up with Babeco so that we can get you 15% off of anything in their store. You will find some of my favorite mugs under the drink section, but also don't hesitate to look at the home decor and jewelry and clothing line. All of the mugs are 16 ounce mugs. So if you like a big pour of coffee each morning, these are for you. And there's also some glasses. I've even snuck in some of the drinkware that I've gotten from Babeco to my grandmother and she's never even noticed. And yet it makes perfect opportunity for us to all giggle. You can click the link below in the show notes or go to wearebabeco.com and use Oops I Gossiped Again and get 15% off. And don't forget to tag me in your Instagram stories when you're pouring your coffee into your favorite mug and ready to listen to the tea. Go to We Are Babe Co. and get 15% off with the code Oops I Gossiped Again. Now, this episode felt a little bit less intense than the reunion part one. And I'm already getting, I'm already seeing so many people saying, it was terrible. This reunion gave us nothing. It is so overdone. It's all about Scandaval. We're tired of this. Yes, obviously, it's going to be all about Scandaval. I also had someone say, Ariana needs to grow up. She's moved on. She's happy. Why is she acting like this? And I was like, babe, it wasn't recorded today. (laughs) You didn't watch a live episode. This reunion was filmed three weeks after they knew. None of them had been in the same room together. They didn't have any conversations. They hadn't been face-to-face with anybody. These are raw emotions happening. They're going to be angry. They are going to be screaming at each other. Have you ever seen this group not be screaming at each other. And that's just a regular, like I'd see you next Tuesday. That's just a regular Tuesday. And I I agree to some extent, I am mentally exhausted of Scandaval, but I feel like we did have a bit of a little bit of a break where things weren't popping off every single day as they were for like a month straight, where I'm now looking forward to seeing how this went. I want them to ask the questions. There's nothing different happening that they need to talk about. We talked about Katie and Tom. That was really short-lived. Something that was not on the um, broadcast episode. On the Peacock unedited or uncensored whatever edition, they showed a clip of James and Lisa Vanderpump having a really good conversation about how you know she takes care of him and how she feels about him and how he relies on her. I thought that was very sweet. There were a couple things. There was a little bit deeper of an argument between Ariane and Tom. But yes, that's what this entire reunion is going to be about. We started the episode where we ended up last week, which was Lisa Vanderpump sticking out for the Toms. And James like, Lisa, you're sticking out for Tom too much. And Tom's like, she's being reasonable. No, she's not being reasonable. She has her money on her mind. So she is sticking up for you. And this goes back now to the conversation where she's like, Lala, you need to take responsibility. And Tom's like, you need to take accountability. And Lala is just like, well, for what? For what? I do. I know I'm an aggressive person. I know I say shit out of hand. I know I get too worked up and I accept that. That does not warrant an apology. If she feels truly sorry that she shouldn't have done something, sure, make the apology. But we are so quick to assume that everybody needs to apologize, especially women. Like you get aggressive and you get angry about something and all of a sudden you're required to apologize to someone for it. Fuck that. If they deserved it, 
you can take accountability for maybe coming on too hard and maybe the delivery isn't great. Take accountability, accept it, own it. Yep, I did that. Maybe I shouldn't have, but you don't need to apologize for everything. And that is what Lala does when she takes accountability. She is always open to apologize if she feels it's warranted. So ladies, this is a message. Remember, you don't have to apologize for every little thing that you do or say because someone else feels they deserve it. Okay, that's just my life lesson in today's podcast. But while this is happening, there was an underhanded comment made by Tom that nobody on the cast heard. And he said, you pulled out your IUD the day that you found out Stassi was pregnant. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait, did I hear? What did he just say? And I rebounded for one time and I was like, that can't, that can't seriously be what he said. I rebounded a second time and that was absolutely what he said. And nobody else heard it. Nobody on the cast, well, I'm sure probably Schwartz and you know what? I'm sure probably Lisa Vanderpump, but neither of them right now are going against Tom. So they're not going to say anything. What the amount of hatred toward women comes from that one line. He is completely disrespecting her child, her as a mother, her choices as a mother, the misogyny reeks. Now there's a lot of feedback from people also saying that James is too aggressive. James needs to calm down. He needs to stay in a seat. Or as Andy says, maybe that's what we'll put on a shirt. Stay in your fucking chair. (laughs) Maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll be it. James gets up, you know, he gets really angry and he gets all worked up and he starts throwing one-liners and then he just gets up and leaves. And we see him talking to production in the back and they're like, are you okay? Do you need anything? And he says, no, I just get, you know, I'm talking to him and then I get really angry and then I have to pee. Later in the episode, when they bring Allie out, he is talking about how he is going to therapy and he thinks that it's going very well. And then Lisa's like, well, you're, you're still angry here. I think this is a different circumstance, ma'am. Calm down. In my opinion, I think him actually getting up and going is a coping mechanism that he is learning from therapy. Because his first reaction is to attack, which he has done, but his normal reaction is to attack and not let go like a rabid dog when it has its just its jaws clenched on something. How many people is it going to take to get them, get that dog off of whatever or whomever it is biting, right? There's a lot of power in those jaws. And that is James. When he starts, he does not stop. But the fact that he is getting himself up, he is excusing, not excusing himself. He's just walking the fuck away. The fact that he gets up and walks away, that, in my opinion, is one of his coping mechanisms. And I don't care what you think about James. You can love him. You can hate him. I do feel like we have seen a lot of growth from James Kennedy over the past few seasons, and I am here for it. I am here later in the episode. We see the way that James is, you know, building Lala up and the pain that she went through with the whole Randall situation, but what she's doing now and their bond is so good. I love it so much. I would take a Lala and James Kennedy show. Just the two of them. We don't need anybody else. I want people to follow them around separately and together because their bond is really good. I love it. But I think that he is actually doing really well and a lot of people aren't seeing that. They're just, they're not taking into accountability that he is actually doing some work. 
if you think about who he was before, he would be a lot worse at this reunion than he has been. So they take a break. And of course he goes to Rachel's trailer and they sit down and have a conversation. He sits down and starts explaining to her what is happening. And he's explaining it from his point of view. You know, Sheena's really coming in on me. James won't let me get off. You know, Ariana's whatever. She's going to unleash on you. They're making us out to look like pathological liars. What he doesn't know in that moment as he's saying all of this because he's twisting it already in the way that he wants her to hear it what he doesn't know is that she's been watching he does not have a clue that she has been watching since the beginning so when he finds that out he was like oh shit and she says I don't love how your intimacy is coming across I only know what you've told me. And in this moment, you kind of see the light bulbs flickering a little bit. Like they're not fully on up there. They're not fully on. But her brow when she's watching it is furrowing a little bit. Like you can tell there's something happening where she's like, hold on, hold on. Something's not adding up. She then starts saying all of these things that are coming up. You know, I only know what you've told me. And they're making us out to look like pathological liars. We're not. But, you know, you told me that this was a different way. And now I'm kind of seeing that, you know, it seems like maybe she doesn't talk down to you as much as you said. I mean, she's starting, again, the light bulbs are flickering. Not The flip is not totally on. The bulb is not completely screwed in. But it's like that moment where it's barely kind of hanging on there and the light wants to turn on, but not fully. She is seeing it. And so what happens, he then goes on a rampage and says he wants to have a private conversation with her off camera, no mics. We saw this moment in, you know, paparazzi photos. We saw this in like little clips and videos that all came out the day of the reunion. We saw them having conversations. We saw him getting heated and angry with production. So we knew, now we know, we knew then something had gone down, but now we know what it is. And he only wants to speak off camera because he wants to get their story straight. She says it later in her one-on-one with Andy. Well, we needed to get our story straight. We're not pathological liars, but we did lie about the fair and we had lied, or we had planned on lying about how long it was. You're pathological liars. You're both sociopaths, just straight up sociopaths. But he's trying to get off of camera so that he can have a private conversation that nobody can hear and he can explain further things that she needs to say. He sees that it's unraveling for him and now I need to fix it. And that's why he wants to be off camera. I'm really hoping that they never unmiked him because I would love to see if there's anything that's going to come out like with that, you know, whole revelation or whatever. But I don't really do. I don't really think that they gave him the opportunity to have any sort of discussion off camera unmiked, anything like that. There's so many things too that now Tom is trying to like go back to what he was in previous reunions and he's going to have a say about all this stuff. Like he brings up James drinking and he brings up the argument in Canyon Ranch and it's like, dude, why at this point, nobody, not a person in this room, not a viewer watching this is going to believe anything that comes out of your mouth. Your credibility is out the window. I don't know why he's just, it's, it's that narcissism. It's that ego trying to really come out again and really flip the script and try to bring a positive light upon himself. But Ariana's like, no, you're a liar. No one's going to believe you here. And coincidentally enough, that issue with Canyon Ranch, that this was early in the season. And that was when 
you know, we, I, I think that was actually the first time that like James and Raquel, they had that little conversation, remember outside of a bathroom. I want to say that was either episode one or episode two. It was very early in the season. And we found out that there was an argument between James and Allie and James was allegedly kicked out, whatever. They talk about it on the reunion. Sandoval is trying to say that it's because you're so drunk and you don't remember how you act and all of these things. Now, what happened allegedly also that was not discussed, I wish it had been, but allegedly, now remember, Raquel is the one that went and told the story about it the next day. And everyone there is like, no one else was there. No one else saw it. So I don't know where she's getting her information from. Allegedly, according to one of Sheena's friends, I believe this was on Sheena's podcast episode, It may have been Lala's. Either way, it was something with Sheena. And her friend was on. And she said that Raquel had gone up to her multiple times asking her to film an argument that was happening between James and Allie because she wanted it used on the show. She wanted to have it sent to production. But she didn't want to get her hands dirty. She didn't want to be the one that looked like she was meddling. And the the friend was like, I wasn't comfortable with that. Like, I'm not going to record somebody and turn them in for something. Now, does that mean that there was a deeper argument that night and it's more than what James said it was? I don't know. But Rachel is the one that was trying to set it up to get the information out there. So obviously, it's going to be her little mouthpiece Tom Sandoval that is going to be the one that's going to bring it up on the reunion but they did not talk about that part and I wish that they had because I think that would give a very different light to the type of person that Rachel is and all of this ongoing conversation of James not being over Raquel it's so much more than that like yes he was triggered by her actions but she was still very much meddling. Sheena got a lot more airtime on this one because we talked well not really we couldn't really talk about it because of the you know, restraining order. She refused to say anything. We do know that that has, like, Rachel had filed some fake dismissal, which wasn't actually even a filing from the court or anything. It was just a piece of paper. But the, she did, Sheena did go to the hearing and it was dropped because Rachel was not there. So we talk about the restraining order and we more so we talk about that night. You know, Sheena's not going to say anything about it. She's not going to talk about it. She can't. Legally, she cannot talk about it until that hearing was done. That was good on her. However, we have Sandoval who takes what felt like a five minute pause to get his story straight, to try to remember what he told already That was the story of that night to make sure that it aligned because he probably couldn't fully remember. He had to take that time to remember what his story was and to build this dramatic effect because he's just so deeply hurt. He so deeply doesn't want to hurt Sheena. Now remember, this night he also told Sheena on the phone that her friendship meant nothing, that for the last 15 years she was closer to him than he was to her, that it was nothing like that. And now he's trying to grovel. He's trying to say for the last, you know, you're just going to throw out 15 years. That's not what you said that night on the phone. And you already copped to that because it was in the finale. Continues to go with this story of, I heard her say that I just punched that bitch in the face. Now, again, we don't need to, you know, beat a dead horse here. I don't believe that she did. She has since then come out and said, I pushed her. I threw her phone. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. I never punched her. But it's that dramatic pause. Oh, I just need to evaluate what my friendships are. And I need to figure this out. And I don't want to hurt her. I'm between a rock and a hard place. Dude, you have no more friends. And you establish that yourself 
when you told her on the phone that you two were not friends. But listening to Sheena talk about her relationship with Rachel was kind of heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking, not kind of, really heartbreaking. She did, she trusted this person, you know, and and we don't think so much about how this had consumed Sheena by the fact that she, you know, filed a restraining order against her. That's a, that's a big allegation. That is deep. That is a deep emotional, personal cut. That's a betrayal. But also legally, that that's not good. You don't do that to someone. And you really fuck with someone's entire mental health and, and wellness and day-to-day life. And she wasn't wrong in saying, like, I can't even be present for my kid. I get it. That's an emotional, that's a, that's a lot. It was heartbreaking to watch. And meanwhile, Rachel is watching from her trailer with not, uh, Ariana's crying, Lala's crying. They never showed Katie. Katie probably wasn't crying. Sheena's crying. Schwartz even looks really broken up about this. Sandoval's fake as fuck. You know, everyone's really concerned about this. And we fan to Rachel who is in her trailer and has nothing. She is dead in the face. There isn't a tear. There isn't a remorse that she is dead in the face until she giggles and she's like, oh yeah, you know, watching this, I probably should have sent Sheena a personal note. That is a true sociopath. There is a narcissist and a sociopath. Where she gets any of her emotional intelligence from, she's got to have something, right? I would maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's nothing. It's just true sociopathy. Dead in the face. Zero reaction. Katie used the phrase to Schwartz about how he's, you know, trusts everybody. And she said, you're a serial killer's wet dream. That is what serial killers do. There's no, there's nothing behind the eyes. There's no remorse. There's no feeling behind it. There's, there's nothing. Okay. So now we have, Sheena has to get up and go. And Rachel is brought in. We also get a taste of Rachel's one-on-one with Andy before she comes in. This is where she says, you know, we were going to tell her, you know, we just need to get our stories straight. And she really wanted to know how long it was. She also blames Ariana for trusting them. Now, it's hard for me because I can't even be like, that's her because it's not. It is Sandoval. Those are Sandoval's words coming. That is Sandoval teaching her and coaching her and telling her what to say, blaming Ariana like he's done the entire time. So it's still not even her. No remorse, nothing in her face, no change, nothing. Andy asked her like, do you guys, were you living in your own little dream world? Like, what did you expect was going to come out of this? And she says, I was living in my own reality, hoping it would work out. She is still living in that reality because she's laughing and she's smiling. Like she's saying that she's there to take accountability for her actions and that she has to own up to it, but there's nothing there. You can't just say, I'm sorry. And what I did was wrong unless you actually mean it. And this goes back to the conversation we just had a little bit ago. Don't apologize if you don't mean it. So why, if she doesn't mean it, why is she even apologizing? Because it's the quote, right thing to do. There's nothing behind it. Don't come and look in my face and tell me you're sorry if you really don't mean it. I don't need your apology. I need you to know that what you did was wrong. And she doesn't know that. She has no recollection or understanding of that whatsoever. Andy comes and he tells Schwartz, like, Schwartz, you're going to have to, you know, move down a seat because right now it's, it goes Lisa Vanderpump, Tom Sandoval, Tom Schwartz, and then Sheena. But there was an empty chair there because Sheena's gone. And Andy says, Schwartz, you're going to have to, you know, you know, you're moving down a chair, right? And he's like, oh, am I? Yeah, am I? And Ariana's just like, no, you're not. Nope. 
And you hear Schwartz go, oh, Sandoval didn't like that because Sandoval's got like this heartbroken look on his face. And Andy's just like, oh, shit. I mean, she put Andy in his place in that moment, too. Like, you are not going to come in here and open up a seat for her to, number one, be closer to me, but number two, be sitting next to him so that they can hold hands and that they can, you know, take care of one another and console one another throughout this. Absolutely not. So we get this dramatic walk up of Raquel and Sandoval says green light, green light. And he kind of looks at Tom Schwartz and everyone's really wondering what that was about. I really was kind of hoping there was going to be something else on the uncensored on Peacock, but there wasn't. I think in my, because right after this, then we have Schwartz like pulling out a bottle of Xanax and like trying to be the funny guy and really distracting people. I think it was that he and Schwartz had already this plan of we're going to do something to distract. We're going to do something to kill the mood a little bit, like break it down, make everyone laugh a little bit right before she comes. So it's not so dense. It's not going to work, obviously. But I think that that's what it is. And if there's something deeper there, I really want to know. I would be happy to hear your theories on what that might be. I think it's just that they had a plan. They had a plan to distract and to disengage from the, you know, humdrum feelings of everything happening so that it could be a little bit lighter when she walked on stage. But obviously that was never going to work. And the fact that Schwartz is, you know, throwing around a bottle of Xanax is really, they were probably Tic Tacs. They were probably Tic Tacs because, you know, got to make a scene. But that's the end of Reunion Part 2. Our previews for next week, we're, we're all dying. Like, at this point, just release the episode. It's it's annoying having to wait and think about it for a week. We've been told by executive pro- producers that there's this huge revelation that's going to come. And in the preview, it says you're not going to want to miss the f- last five minutes. We don't know what this revelation is. There have been theories. There have been theories and theories and theories and theories. And quite frankly, I'm tired of talking about the theories. I really am. But what was interesting was that when they say you don't want to miss the last five minutes, they go back and show an interview with Rachel from the finale episode. She's in the same outfit as the finale where producers are like, are you ready to finally tell the truth? That was from the finale, not the reunion. And it was funny because they actually kind of like changed the color, like they changed the coloring of the video on, on the preview so that it looks like it's not this blue dress and it looks more green. So maybe you didn't quite notice, but I think this is a key thing to pay attention to. And the other thing I found was interesting is that on the uncensored version on Peacock, when everyone was sitting around having lunch, you know, Sheena's talking about how she has to leave, but she's absolutely going to come back at the end before she leaves. She's like, I'll see you guys when I'm back. You know, I'll see you guys at the end. And Lala and Ariana are both like, oh yeah, absolutely not. Because I'm not toasting with that bitch. Like if you don't come back for our final toast and you don't come back for the end, I will just walk off. And that was added into the uncensored. So we know that that would be like the last five minutes. Does Rachel just walk off of the reunion and then they have to pull things from her previous interviews? Is this revelation actually going to come from the interview? Is the only last theory that I'm going to throw out there because it comes from actual filming and not from the reunion, does it come out that she actually did sleep with Schwartz as well? I don't know. I don't know what it is anymore. I really don't. But I think it's important to note that 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 preview purposely put in a different clip there and it was not a reunion clip. So we'll see. We have a whole week 
another whole week to wait. And then it is over. So that's all I have for you today. I did manage to get a list a little bit shorter of an episode this week. I hope that you appreciate it because when I am editing, I am absolutely going to appreciate it. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please do not hesitate to send me a message. Let me know what you thought. You can comment below if you're listening currently on Spotify. Please, 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 please leave me a rate review. Don't forget to follow the show. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.